0: I'm gonna throw a two, one, and I'm gonna- Okay, guys, thanks to our sponsors, Geology, the ultimate face cream. Um, They have all sorts of products. They have body wash. They have um, shampoo. They have uh, face wash, night cream, morning cream. I use it every time. Sean and I use it after training. I just have the geology here just for good quality Lotion for your face. Geology is a 16 time award winning skin, hair, and body care company recognized in Men's Health, GQ, Spy, Esquire, and Ask Men Grooming Awards. Geology creates simple and effective skincare and hair care routines customized just for you with the ingredients that are proven to work. Their products are built around just a handful of powerful proven ingredients that have been trusted by dermatologists for decades. Skincare shouldn't feel like a gamble. All of Geology's products are made with scientifically proven ingredients and cosmetic chemists. Not only is Geology the best in the skincare game, but they also have a release ton of new, amazing hair and body and skin products. Whatever you need, Geology has you covered from their affordable skin revitalizing vitamin C, E, ferulic acid serum to their shampoo killing co-wash to their brand new body care line of body wash deodorant, which consistently have some of the best scents ever. They take care of all your bathroom needs. And right now, for a limited time, they're hooking you up with an absolutely insane offer. Use my code TIMWELCH70. That's all caps, TIMWELCH70, or scan the QR code on the screen, and they will give you an exclusive 70% off their award-winning skincare trial set. On top of that, they're giving you an exclusive bonus offer, up to 50% off and additional skin, hair, body products of your choice when you add it to your trial. This is one of the best offers you will see. Get it before it's gone. Geology guys, I love it. I use it. It's my go-to for a nice face. Check it out. Love you. Okay. Bye-bye. Perfect. And uh, okay, here we go. The episode 81. Another a beautiful day. We got my bud in town, uh, Ryan Sprague. He's been on the pod before, but only over Zoom. This one's going to be even better. We're going to talk about my favorite drug, cannabis, and a bunch of other shit. So uh, get your posture up. Let's take a big breath and grab yourself a beverage. Have a slurp. Thank you very much, Gloria Tells okay uh episode 81 what i've been up to i mean are the lady we're renting our house from she she called us yesterday and she's like you either need to be out by june or you need to buy the place by june I'm like oh fuck and and i are renting it for such a good price but then she she listed it for like this absurd amount so i was like oh my god dude by buying a house it's like so much shit goes into that fucking buying house. Do you buy, do you have you
1: bought a house? No, I have not yet. My family owns two houses and so I've had to take care of them. And just the taking care of part, it's like a, it, it really is a whole shadow work thing, right? Like there's almost always something breaking. There's a lot that's out of your control, but you do own it. And that is worth it because you can then grow there.
0: <laughs> yeah, and I was looking at the house, like doing estimates on loans and stuff. And like by the end of the, the loan, that, say the house is seven hundred fifty thousand dollars. By the end of it, when you pay it off, you paid one point four million the yeah. interest. So I'm like, that's what aggressive. The fuck.
1: <laughs>
0: like, is it even worth it to buy a fucking house? But then there's taxes and all this shit that I just never learned anything about. So I was trying to learn as I go. Thankful for YouTube though.
1: Dude, thank God we learned the Pythagorean theorem though. It'll come in real handy this Pythagorean theorem season, you know? Yeah. yeah.
0: <laughs> so what, what kind of, uh, cannabis here are we smoking?
1: Yeah. So that is some Tahiti lime. Uh, it's from a company called archive seeds and it is amazing. Um, it was one of my favorite strains that I pheno hunted a few years back. And I had this one Tahiti lime number five that, really gained a lot of notoriety. I would try it with friends and it just had this really unique terpene profile that you don't really smell a lot these days. It was very lemony, very citrusy, super exciting smoke, like very euphoric, but not super stimulating. And so I ended up losing the Fino. Um, I mislabeled some clones, thank you, sir. And, uh, And all of a sudden I didn't have it. And so, I had bought another pack of it to keep on ice just in case, you know, another pack of seeds. Luckily I did because it sold out everywhere. And so I recently popped another five of them, got one female that I love, which is Tahiti lime number one here and uh it's just everything i like you know it's that same taste and flavor um i think it's a little bit stronger but it's really nice stuff and it's just unique you know like i I go for things that are very unique i don't search for high thc i look for high terpene content and in the way i cultivate you know it's it's very normal for me to get around six or seven percent terpenes you know with organic methods
0: yeah and for people out there i mean uh this is uh ryan sprague he's a he's a he's a weed expert and growing it and stuff and and paul check gets his his cannabis from ryan anyone who's health conscious. I mean, he he's growing the best stuff. So I got a bunch of topics I want to go over, but what would, what advice would you give someone who has kind of an unhealthy relationship with weed? They mm. just smoke too much. They're just fucking, and they're almost just
1: addicted to it. Yeah. First thing I would say is to tell them they're not alone. Um, because a lot of times these challenges get compounded from our minds telling us that we're the only one going through it. Um, so the first thing I want to say is you are not alone. The second thing is that Ultimately, if you want to figure out why you're interacting with so much cannabis, you got to figure out the why, right? And what I tell everyone is that it's not that you have a cannabis problem, right? And I look at this a little bit different than a lot of people. It's not that you have a problem with cannabis, you have a problem that cannabis is helping you cope with, right? And so if you only go after the quote unquote result, right, which is like the cannabis dependency, you're probably just going to move into something else. Maybe it'll be exercise or something perceived healthier, but the addiction's just going to hop, right? So if you really want to figure out why you're interacting with so much cannabis, you got to figure out the original problem that's leading to that result. And once you start to figure that out, you know, what I recommend is obviously reaching out for help to different individuals. This is a lot of what we do in Connect With Cannabis, but, you know, for anyone at home, start actually figuring out that why and then from there you can actually learn to tune in with cannabis and actually start asking the plant to help you move some of that trauma and some of that shadow stuff that's coming up because that's normally what's happening Mm -hmm. like really excited euphoric pumped up people don't decide to interact with cannabis all day long in a very unhealthy way right Mm -hmm. like usually people are running from something and so that's ultimately a lot of what i do in my work is helping people figure out what that thing is so they can then ultimately create a healthier relationship with the plant because when you don't feel like you need it it's much easier to be in that healthy you know co-communicative co-creative relationship
0: yeah i mean and in some people some people they hear that and they think oh some hit, hit, hippie stuff <laughs> which is when people are eating complete garbage drinking pop eating candy and they just have sleeping like shit, just drinking nasty energy drinks and then smoking weed it's like man you got a lot to fucking work on yeah if you want to get on the right track 100% i haven't even smoked for 3 weeks i think i ran i ran out of your stuff 3 weeks ago and then mm-hmm. i tried this other stuff that was supposed to be high quality from a from a another dispensary that they just gave me and uh i just was i smoked it and i'm like holy fuck i feel like shit mm. i feel like anxiety i feel like i just smoked a bag of anxiety so i'm like i'm just gonna be done <laughs> done with weed until i can get, yeah. it, get it from you again <laughs> uh so yeah going to dispensaries i feel bad for people because i posted i posted yesterday because you weren't in town yet mm. and i posted uh it talked about an ethical cultivation. Emphasized that eth- ethical cultivation avoids synthetic fertilizers, using living soil and practices sustainable agriculture. Look for clean, green, certified Sun Plus Earth or other organic products and producers who use regenerative agriculture practices. Sun Grown Cannabis often ticks all these boxes. So if we if someone goes into a dispensary they can look for clean, green certified?
1: Yeah, like there are certain different like uh, organizations out there that have made certain certifications. That's seemingly been one of them. Another one that I really like is Dragonfly Earth Medicine, um, DEM Pure, uh, as it's known. And so if you find a company it's it's pretty rare and i'll get into this in a second but if you find a company that's certified by them you know that they actually came into their facility they double checked everything made sure they had a certain number of regenerative loops on their property such as collecting rainwater and reusing it reusing soil etc um, to make sure that, that cannabis was grown in that ethical way and you know the thing that's challenging though is that even if you go to a place like that that's you know ethically grown a lot of times the people that are growing it are in states of anxiety and paranoia. And it's very similar to like if you're a dog owner and that dog ends up like, you know, you're you're being mean to that dog, that dog's gonna have a side effect as a result. And so plants are very similar, right? Same, same, definitely different, but they get influenced by the energy around us. And you know, I've got some flack back when I talked about that, people saying that's super woo-woo. And so, to throw this in here, some science about this, there's a guy named Joe Patatucci who made a system called Plant Wave. And what he does is he hooks plants up to these electrodes, and very similar to massage. Emoto's work with messages and water in the universe, when people come in projecting emotions of hate, you can actually hear the song that plant is singing go into a very deep minor key. On the opposite side, if someone comes in projecting emotions of love and positivity, that song goes into a very big major key. So it shows right there that plants are influenced by our energy. To what degree? Who knows, right? But I personally believe that that's one of the unspoken epidemics of the world of cannabis right now is that from coming from the industry, I know that most grow hands are getting paid shit money. They're very unhealthy. They're not really fit to be growing a plant medicine like that was reserved for the shamans and the medicine people and things like that throughout, you know, time people that were doing this evolution practice and spiritual practices and things like that. So by no means am I saying you have to be perfect at it. But the fact that they're not focusing on that whatsoever, I think is one of the challenges, even if you go to these places that are more commercial in nature.
0: I mean, yeah, and you can just feel it, dude. You can just, I mean, I think more. the more in tune you are with your health, the more in tune you are with your, your eating good, clean foods, and sleeping good, and exercising and stuff, the more in tune you can get with your marijuana. Mm. I mean, like, if you're not in tune at all, and like I said, you're just eating candy pop and all that shit, and you just smoke, you're just like, ugh, you can't really <laughs> tell. But, yeah, I mean, now, now all these grows are just trying to grow so much fucking weed. They don't care what the weed's like. Just grow it. Just, yeah. just spray it and grow it. Let's just get it out in masses. And like you said, depressed people. Does it matter a lot what kind of lights are growing it?
1: So yes and no, like definitely. Like if it's grown by the sun, that's always the strongest. But me being from Boston, you know, when I when I cultivate, a lot of times I have to do it indoors, right? I grow a couple of plants, things like that. And so for me, what I found is that It can be really damaging because of the emfs and the other things coming out of the lights the same way that we're learning a lot about how it impacts human beings very similar plants right plants have a biofield the same way as humans do and so What I do is I use a modality called biogeometry, which is known to harmonize EMFs and and really do great things for energetic spaces. So I utilized that in my cultivation space. And what I've figured out is that after the first time I used it, now, I don't really care about these metrics I'm about to talk about, but it did show me quantifiably that something had changed. So my yield increased, my potency increased, and my terpene content increased. When I started using biogeometry, I kept everything else the same, right, the same two plants, same genetics, everything. same. Same soil. And all of a sudden that went up. And so ever since then, I've been adding more and more to it and just seeing if there's like a diminishing return point to, to as of yet, I haven't found one. Um, but I think that's one of the things that you know, most of these bigger companies could do, but they have no idea. Right. And imagine most of these people, because I've, I've met a lot of them. They're like finance, real estate. They're very like left brain, logical type a people. Mm-hmm. So imagine going in there and trying to explain biogeometry to them. Right. It's like, yeah. you know, it's a long shot for sure. Yeah.
0: They're just worried about selling numbers and not exactly. really giving a buck. I wonder if that's going to come become more popular as small shops that like grow gourmet, good organic ethical
1: weed. I wonder if that will. You know, I think it could. um, But the thing is, and I don't know what it's like in in Arizona, but I know that up where I'm at, you know, you have to pretty much have a million dollars in your bank account just to play. That doesn't include like, you have to pretty much have that money that's not even being touched Mm -hmm. for like your rainy day fund. And then from there it costs so much to get these things set up that it kind of like you know uh omits anyone that's actually had the soul for this right because most of those people are not worried about being millionaires and billionaires not that necessarily that's a bad thing Mm -hmm. but overall most millionaires and billionaires don't have the energy of cannabis and vice versa Mm -hmm. you know Mm -hmm. yeah i mean that's interesting
0: so would you recommend if in a place where it's legal that people that are looking for that just grow them
1: selves and maybe learn from your courses definitely and that's why i'm doing this like i think the ultimate way to shift the industry is to take the money away from them and show them with our money because our money really does matter that we want something of a higher quality and i think that's the ultimate thing is if we don't want to go down a conspiracy of why this might be happening which i do have one we could definitely get into but um if we want to just go on a logical way I think most people are trying to make the most money they can these kind of things and they just don't know what they don't know most consumers don't know about these qualities of cannabis mostly because like you were saying they're out of alignment in a lot of other areas in their life so they're just interacting with cannabis to get as high as possible they're not really like you know aware of what comes forth as a result of the high right connection to your clear senses uh deeper connection to the world around you these amazing things that cannabis can teach us they're just looking to them out with it and so i think one of the best ways is to educate ourselves on why this matters right along with getting the rest of our health in order, but also learn how to cultivate it ourselves. Because the way that I teach, the great thing about it is that if you learn how to cultivate cannabis in the way I teach, you've also just learned how to cultivate anything, right? So in a time where there's a lot of like doom and gloom type prophecy stuff happening, there's a lot of like "Eh, glyphosate, Monsanto, this is pretty yikes, right? Like I think there's never been a better time to learn how to cultivate our own food. And so if you can get two birds stoned at once, learn how to cultivate your own cannabis and learn how to cultivate your own food, I think that's a win-win. Yeah, I mean, definitely. Yeah, going to the
0: conspiracy, what do you think? Why do you think stuff's going on right now?
1: Yeah, so I recently interviewed this guy, Robert Forte. Amazing dude. Uh, I can definitely connect you if you're interested. He is uh, branded as the least well-known, most influential pioneer of the psychedelic movement. So he was personal friends with Timothy Leary, Alexander Shulgin, Stanislav Grov, Terence McKenna, Alice Huxley, Albert Hoffman, all these guys, like all of them and what he thinks is that he was like hey you know you've heard about MKUltra right and i was like yeah and he was like most people think that that was just them trying LSD out in soldiers it was kind of weird they stopped doing it failed experiment but he's like what if i told you that actually it's been going on this whole time and that the version of it that they gave us like oh you know it was just using some soldiers was meant to distract from the from the idea that like psychedelics are actually being put into the mainstream by these powers that be, if you will. I'm not sure exactly who's responsible, but these powers that be, CIA, etc., to numb out the population. And if you read A Brave New World from Elvis Huxley, this is exactly what the story is. It talks about a time in the future where uh, the world is corrupted. The 1% own everything. And whenever they notice the, the, you know, society getting like their feathers ruffled, they release this drug called Soma, which essentially sounds in the book kind of like MDMA or something, where they just fuck like bunnies and they party and they just forget about it, right? And they're kind of just numbed out to it. And so, I think that's really one of the most important reasons why if we're connecting with any type of plant medicine, we must be conscious because, you know, at the end of the day, these things, right, it's not their fault, it's not cannabis's fault. But if you're inexperienced, you can definitely numb out and just tune out of your entire life with it, right? but that's not the fault of the plant. And I think that's where a lot of people uh get confused. They blame cannabis when in reality the best way to change your life is to take ownership and go, "Hey, I didn't mean to, but this is what happened, right? I did numb out of my life. And so now, how can I change that? And if I do want to connect with cannabis still, how can I do that in a healthy way?" I think being able to do that can actually tune you farther out of the quote unquote matrix. But it's also, you know, you can just interact with cannabis and watch Netflix. And again, no judgment, but it's important to understand this so we can use discernment like a weapon
0: yeah yeah for sure um so if someone was wanting to just have their own personal stash and say they didn't smoke that much Mm. weed how much investment would they probably have to do to just have your own little home grow in a little room 10 by 10 feet or
1: whatever yeah so the one of the best ways um, that i recommend everyone start cultivating is with a small tent Um, you can get like a, a full tent set up with a light pretty much everything you need for around 500 bucks. Um, so it's not much. And you could grow three plants in five gallon pots in there in this little five by four by two tent. And it's perfect. It's like the size of a tiny closet, not even a you know like one of those closets you put clothes in. Very small, you can put it in a basement, you can put it in a lot of different places. And ideally, you should be able to pull about two ounces off each of those plants minimum, right? So you figure, I don't know how much cannabis goes for out here, but in Boston, it's around $300 out of the dispensary before tax. So you figure you're saving yourself about 1800 bucks, right and you can do that every three or four months and so it works oh. out well
0: okay every three or four months you can
1: get about two ounces which would be fucking plenty yeah times three plants so you'd get like about six ounces you know Damn. yeah
0: and, and the just for so once you you once you buy all the equipment for five hundred dollars then you need to buy the seeds
1: yeah and the seeds are cheap like i mean there's a whole range of them. you can buy seeds for like two hundred dollars a pop There's definitely a lot of people that do that, but you can get seeds as cheap as like five bucks a pop, you know, and and there's a lot of really good genetics available for not a lot of money as well. And once you actually purchase genetics, you uh, you can clone them, right? So like a lot of the genetics I've worked with, I've been cloning for years, right? So when you're cloning, pretty much you just don't have to keep buying seeds and you can keep the exact phenotype of the particular plant you want to keep growing, right? That's how, like with Tahiti, I'll keep that by cloning it, doing what's called recessive cloning, which is right before they go into flower. I take clones off of them, start those, and that allows me to have a perpetual harvest always make sure i have enough medicine for myself you know i only grow a couple of plants but it's it's perfect for me and it's a fun hobby it's something exciting to do you know i've helped so many people at the dispensary i worked at now in my own private practice start cultivating and it's just so much fun you know and the whole idea of how i teach cultivation is growing with cannabis rather than just growing it mm-hmm. because the idea is there's a lot you can learn about cultivating a plant with regards to your own life you know like when you plant a seed it's now in the seedling stage it's very fragile right it's like when you start a new endeavor it's important to not be too rough with yourself right it's important to you know not shit on yourself all of these kind of things but as the plant grows stronger, it can be more resilient, right? The same way that, and I'm sure when you got into jujitsu, there was things you had to be careful of that now you just have muscle memory about, you know? And so it's very similar. And so like I take a very Mr. Miyagi approach to cultivating plants where I like try to throw some wisdom in there along with it and just have people contemplate on things as they're cultivating these plants because there's so much you can learn even without connecting with the plant.
0: So how long have you been in, in the business?
1: Yeah, so- I got into cultivating when medical passed in Boston, which was 2012. Um, I had done it a couple of times before and then just thrown seeds out. But my father and I got into it together and I went to a cannabis school called the New England Grassroots Institute. And it was super fun. I was in school for psychology at the same time, um, but I realized I didn't wanna wear khakis for the rest of my life.
0: <laughs> it, it was a cannabis school.
1: Yeah, yeah. So they focused on cannabis studies and holistic health, but it was 95% cannabis. And then there was a woman there who was like their holistic health advocate. Who would talk about like eating sprouts and apple cider vinegar and so as a 20 year old like that's where i got into a lot of the stuff i do now you know and so after that i helped my father through end of life and it's a whole story but i helped my father through end of life with cannabis and then ended up working at a dispensary for five years with over were five thousand medical patients as a patient care advocate helping them with a range of holistic health stuff so you're what do you mean your father end of life yeah so my father had terminal cancer um so basically what happened was my father and i started cultivating together Um, He was never a cannabis fan, but once he saw how much it helped me, he kind of changed his tune on it. And he still wasn't interacting with it, Um, but he really supported me in it because he could see how much it helped me overcome my anxiety that I was crippled with at younger ages. And so he was like, hey, man, you're in school, you're doing all this stuff, you have responsibilities, cool, like, that's fine with me. So he ends up going to the school with me. We end up uh, just like really falling in love with the school. It was super fun. Father something, we were cultivating, uh, getting better and better because my first couple harvests absolutely sucked. Um, And so, you know, I started learning all of this stuff about organic regenerative agriculture, Korean natural farming, all this stuff. And so in 2014, I went to a music festival actually in Vegas and I did MDMA for my first time. And when I was uh, in the middle of the crowd, 50,000, however many people, I felt this extreme pull to my father did not know why. And so when I got home, he told me nine days after I got home that he was diagnosed with terminal cancer. Right. And so here was my dad, who was my best friend and all of these things. And now he looks the exact same, but he has terminal cancer. Right. So there was an interesting like paradox where I couldn't really feel it. And that was like my first hint at like something going on. And so. Then from there, I realized after a couple of weeks, he wasn't going to take treatment, you know, chemo, radiation, etc. Because he had just finished bringing his brother every day for three weeks, or th- sorry, three months to Dana-Farber in Boston for cancer treatments. And so he had seen what it had done to his brother. And he was like, I'm, I'd rather go out with my dignity and my hair, because he had a great head of hair at 64. And so what happened was, after a couple of weeks he started experiencing pain so we took our last harvest and i made it into rso aka rick simpson oil Um, rick simpson's the gentleman that brought this into the mainstream but its professional name is fico full extract cannabis oil so THC has been shown to kill cancer cells. There's a PubMed study out on this in mice. Um, it's something that in the cannabis world is pretty known. Um, you know, I'm not here to say that it's a panacea or that it's going to cure any cancer, but it can definitely help in the process. Uh, and so my father was still going to smoke cigarettes, still going to drink Coca-Cola. So I knew what his fate was going to be, right? Mm-hmm. But I'd rather love him for who he always was. You know, maybe flawed in terms of diet, but the amazing individual he was, than try to make him into who I thought he should be selfishly so I could maybe have him around long. Longer. And so I let him do his thing. We started feeding him RSO. And here's someone who's almost never interacted with cannabis now interacting with the most powerful form of cannabis on planet earth. So I would sit with him while he was, you know, going through these experiences, just to make sure he was comfortable and things like that. And that's where I really found the power of cannabis. You know, I thought I had found it years earlier when it helped me with my anxiety. It was a very like, eye focused thing like, wow, this really helped me. This is amazing. But with my father, I realized that not only did it help me connect with him, right, because I got to hear stories of his childhood that I never got to hear, we got to take the heaviness out of subjects like death, and just talk about it openly, almost like a graduation and a celebration rather than something to be, um, you know, worried about. And I also got to watch him have closure with his grandchildren, you know, his other children, me, my mother, and most importantly, him and his own mortality, you know, like, he ended up living 10 months past when the doctors had given him. And I don't know, Objectively, if that was cannabis, but I do know that when we were getting scans back, his tumors, which he had small cell carcinoma, so they were growing very fast, slowed down dramatically after we started applying RSO. And so I got that 10 months of my father and really got to create closure and really saw the connection deepening benefits of this plant. And when I look at the world, right, which is currently in an epidemic of loneliness, which is actually, once again, society using the result as the problem, the same way they do with cannabis dependency the real problem is a lack of ability to connect, right? Like we can't, we don't feel connected, especially after the pandemic and all this stuff. So when I saw that, right, I was like, oh my God, here's this medicine that like, you listen to Bob Marley, for instance, right? Like that dude knew connection, right? Like, Mm -hmm. so here's this medicine that has the ability to connect us deeper to ourselves, those we love, the world around us, our mission, etc. And most people, including myself at that point, were just using it to numb out. And I was like, holy shit. And that really kickstarted me getting in, worked at the dispensary. And then at a certain point left there, started to highly optimized, and have been bringing people through the Connect with Cannabis program to help them unlock the powers of cannabis as a psychedelic through helping them maintain a conscious relationship to the plant and teaching them how to cultivate it. It's been so much fun.
0: I mean, it's fucking, I mean, that's so awesome, dude. Mm-hmm. And then later today, uh, we're going to come in, you're going to th- put us through, what would it be called?
1: Yeah, Breathe With Cannabis. It's what I do with my buddy, Christopher August. It's amazing. It's a breathwork and cannabis workshop. And really, what we really believe it is, is shadow work, right? And we had a big podcast last night on the topic of shadow work and how cannabis, I believe, is the ultimate medicine for shadow work. And so I'm really excited to bring you guys through it because it's a very powerful experience and... Because when you're breathing, you're creating DMT in the lungs, right? Cannabis produces melatonin. So melatonin is a precursor to endogenous DMT. So when you have more precursor on hand, there's a lot farther you can go in the breath work process. And I really feel these two pair up like peas in a pod. Wow. I mean, that's going to be freaking
0: sweet. <laughs> yeah. If you're, if you're ever, I mean, especially with, people have the chance to try your cannabis at all Mm. and you're you're stressed out and you're needing to make a important decision you're pissed off you smoke that you're gonna make a pretty compassionate (laughs) rational decision yeah that's what i've i've found yeah so what what is a live rosin
1: yeah so i'm glad you asked this because a lot of people hit me up do you like do you believe in extracts i'm like well i believe in them they're here right but like you know do i use them not too much anymore like i'm not against them by any means but For me, there's a lot of shit out there, right? Like, especially in the world of concentrates, you know, there's so much out there. And there's a lot made with hydrocarbons, like BHO, even live resin, right? Not to be confused with live resin. But all of these are made with a hydrocarbon, right? Which is like butane, hexane, propane, etc. And so, for me, if I'm going to eat healthy food, take care of my body, meditate every day, why would I take a risk of something that, even though it's deemed safe, by potentially the same people that tell us that white bread is safe and it belongs on the food pyramid, why am I then going to interact with things like that? So for me, in everything in my life, because how we do anything is how we do everything, I go for the cleanest of the clean. And -hmm. so when it comes to extracts, I want to go for live rosin, which basically live rosin is really special because... I think a lot of people have probably heard about rosin you take flour or hash you squish it between you know some hot plates with some pressure you get this like you know nice resin you can dab it or you know vaporize it on a on a nail so and,
0: when they when when they do that they they, they uh press it and stuff and then do a lot of people put additives in that
1: or? no no not that i've heard anyway i mean i'm sure people do it like especially with vape carts and things like that they probably put an emulsifier in there i think they kind of have to to have it actually work in the cart but for if you know someone making it like that is one of the purest forms you can possibly get and when you do live rosin the difference is they cut the plant down and they immediately cryo freeze it and that preserves the terpenes because terpenes a lot of times are lost in the curing process right like it's it's a natural thing but at the same time if you keep it really flash frozen you can get more out of it in in terms of terpenes and so from there they then make bubble hash and then they press the bubble hash in the rosin press and that is like the creme de la creme
0: and then so you get some live r- r- uh rosin mm. and then you just use a dab rig
1: yeah i personally when i used to dab a lot i liked the Puffco peak same reason i like the you know the vaporizer here the volcano i just like vaporizing more you know like the nail the whole nail community and like dabbing community was so funny when i first tried dabbing in like 2010 you know, it was kind of like, hey, I just made this homemade BHO on this hot plate, and I totally purged it. Here, take a ridiculous 800 degree hit off this titanium nail, right? It was brutal, and yeah. And now it's so funny. It's like, hey, I have this you know, specialized quartz banger that was made with quartz from Utah. Uh, I'm gonna heat this up and wait exactly a minute and 30 seconds. And I'm gonna vaporize this and put a carb cap on. So for me, it just got way too complicated, you know. And so for me, turning on the Puffco Peak, clicking it a couple of times, throwing it in there, you know, dabbing it that way it was so much easier.
0: Yeah, uh, Sugar came out with like a Dr. Dabber a while ago and Mm. I just used that thing on a low heat and the high is completely different. I mean, I'm I'm excited to try some of that live rosin though.
1: It's good stuff, man. I mean, like it's, especially if you're going to have a psychedelic experience with cannabis or like going into some breath work, things like that, it can be aggressive for sure. Like, you know, I haven't dabbed now in about three years just because I have such a low tolerance now, I really don't need it. And when I used to though, I mean, there would be be these these areas you could get to that it's really hard to get to with just smoking flour, right? And Mm -hmm. honestly, I don't look for those areas too much in the work I'm doing right now. I haven't needed it. Most of the stuff I'm looking for is kind of like right here. But if I wanted to go farther out, right, maybe I wanted to go visit my dad in the astral realm or the spirit realm or some of these kind of things, then I would either do an edible or I would dab myself out there. And a lot of people might go, oh, you're going to go visit your dad and these kind of things. Listen, Everyone has their own, you know, uh, experiences when they connect with these medicines. That's for me, something I found really valuable here. If someone thinks that's super woo, -woo, they can just throw it out, you know, Mm -hmm. but at the end of the day, I think that it's important we talk about this stuff, right? Because, you know, the experiences you have might be totally different than me. And how do I know they're possible if someone doesn't mention them first, right? Like, that's a lot of life, right? Like, we all have, you know, something in our lives that we didn't even know was possible before it happened. And so with cannabis or any plant medicine or anything in life, it's very similar, you know, you could love espresso and be a day away from having the best espresso of your life. And you think you've got espresso figured out, you could totally have a revolutionary, you know, time going to Paul Czech's house, having him make you one. I've done it, right? Like, you know, it's just like, so much better and so with cannabis and anything there's so much more possible that just like we haven't heard about yet and so hopefully for that one person listening that goes "Whoa, you can do that that just opened that up for him or her
0: mm. yeah that's pretty awesome so then when did you when did you find out about and just really commit to the uh, volcano because you really don't smoke any other way
1: yeah no i you know i was joking with the guys we you know smoked a joint the other night for the first time in, I mean, I think I smoked the last time in October when I was at my buddy Mark England's Lake House, but I very rarely smoke. And it's not even because, like, yes, of course I'm health conscious, those things, but honestly, I just love the volcano. I think it's perfected. Like I I've never tried anything better of a delivery system than that. It keeps the ritual. You're still grinding something up, you're packing a bowl, you're taking time to blow something up, aka light something, and then from there you get to pass it around. So it keeps the entire ritual, which is what I don't like so much about like edibles and even dabbing it's like not exactly the same ritual so i really love the volcano and it's funny because back when my uncle got diagnosed with cancer like i was mentioning earlier he um you know he was kind of funny he was like definitely an old school bostonian so he was kind of out there you know in his words he was touched you know and so i i was telling him because he really wanted to start you know continue using cannabis even though he had cancer and he was quitting smoking because he had lung cancer so I tell him about the volcano He's like buy it for me and throws like 700 bucks at me. And I'm like, are you sure you're gonna like just buy it? I'm like, okay, so I buy it. He tries like I hate it gives it back <laughs> to me, right? So it sits on my shelf for like, I don't know, probably eight or nine years. And I was using the Mighty. Uh, I switched to vaping about four years ago. So I had the Mighty, which is their handheld version. Mm -hmm. And then I went down in August 2020 to Mark England's lake house for the first time. Uh, And my buddy Danny Rios, who I had met all these guys on Zoom screens, coach circles, things like that. I go down there and they have this volcano. And they're hitting tobacco out of it. And I'm like, what the hell, right? So I'm like, oh, I got one of those things on my shelf, right? I end up going down, hitting it. And I'm like, I fell back in love with it. And ever since then, man, it's, it's my only method. Like, I absolutely adore it.
0: Yeah, I think like the people that produce them is like a German medical yeah. medical company or something. So every, every one of their products is so quality. I've had the Mighty. And I think the Plenty that plugs into the wall, you can get it for like 279 bucks. I think it's one of their cheapest ones. Mm. Uh, but I freaking love my stores and Bickle, too.
1: Dude, it's awesome stuff, and you're right. They are registered medical devices for lung cancer patients in Germany. And mine is 11 years old; still works awesome. The thing has not been, you know, uh, gently touched over the years. I mean, I've (laughs) dropped it. You know, it's gone through a suitcase plenty of times. It's like it's crazy, man. airport. Yeah, exactly, exactly. (laughs) How well these things are built is just incredible. And you know, it preserves so much of the taste. And you know, for me, like I'm a canassore. Like I love the taste. I love the overall experience. It's not about getting high for me, right? Like. For me, it's about the overall experience. That's why I enjoy hemp a lot of the time too, right? Like for me you know, that's why I've just I've distanced myself so much from these high THC numbers, because I really feel the more there's only so much space you can have in cannabis, right? So the more you take up a THC, the less of everything else you're going to have, right? These secondary metabolites, other cannabinoids, etc. And for me, delta nine THC is just like, to me, the dissociative property of cannabis. And most of the time, I'm not looking for that quality, I want to feel more connected, I don't want to feel dissociated. I'm not saying that's not, you know, useful, or that there's never a time where in place where that would be appropriate. But again, at the same time, for me personally, the volcano is amazing because it's efficient. It keeps the taste alive, which is my favorite part of cannabis, and it's healthier.
0: Yeah, I mean, every the high I feel from it, it's usually like I want to do something. I want to do something. Yeah. I'm really, I'm really creative, and I'm wanting to do things instead of just get. I mean, sometimes get couch locked. Yeah, is like, it's pretty sweet too. <laughs> yeah. Um, but to, tobacco, I got, I had gotten a like almost a fight, not really a fight, but more of a discussion with my friend. He's like, "Why would you willingly?" try tobacco when you know how addicting it is Mm. oh no i was gonna go i was gonna say first how Mm. much how much of the benefits of cannabis get burnt when you burn it compared to when you vaporize it
1: dude a lot so so Overall, you're losing a lot more. I might get these numbers wrong, but it was this kind of like dichotomy in terms of difference. So, I read a study one time that you're getting like 27% or around there of like the total content of cannabis, like most of it being lost essentially when you're interacting with a joint. It's something like 92 to 95% when you're vaporizing it, you know? So, Damn. that's what I mean by more efficient. Like, you actually save money. And the great thing is, you can take the flour in there after you've already like vaporized it and you can make edibles with it with what's called AVB, already vaped bud. And it has a lot of uh, uh, sometimes CBN left in there, which is degraded delta nine THC. Great for a really good sleep aid. And so, like, it's really just this great, efficient way to be able to uh, interact with cannabis and be able to use the product thereafter to make some brownies with, or cookies, or anything else. Damn,
0: hell yeah! What, what do you usually cook yours at, temp wise? Just
1: I usually stay around three ninety, four hundred. You know, I like more of the full spectrum. There's actually a whole like chart you can get out there of what temperatures certain cannabinoids and terpenes vaporize at so if you're looking like say you get a high thc strain by accident you're like i didn't really want this you know you could actually look up and i think thc vaporizes at 376 so you could just vaporize lower than that and you're still going to be getting some of the other cannabinoids and some of the terpenes but you won't actually be having any of that and then you can either save that for later when you want to crank it up and burn everything but for me i stick right around 390 to 400. damn so you're cooking it good yeah so uh
0: (laughs) Yeah. I mean, if you guys are out there or your parents or your grandparents and they're wanting to
1: get the ultimate health benefits from
0: cannabis, I mean, would you say the volcano is it?
1: Yeah, absolutely. I mean, like for inhalation methods, definitely. I think like overall, probably the best method of interacting with cannabis in terms of health is RSO or FICO because there's no anything going into your lungs. It's also um, a much stronger variety, like a much stronger method of ingestion. And overall, like edibles work in the body a little bit differently. They get metabolized by the liver. So it's a little more like full spectrum in terms of the body. You know, obviously full spectrum when you're interacting with inhalation method too. But I mean full spectrum in the sense that it's hitting a lot of different areas. For me, inhalation methods are great for accessing what I call the oracle of cannabis. Because that's how I see it, right? It's like this ally that I can call on very similar to my higher self or any other plant medicine where I can like have the spirit of the plant give me wisdom or advice. A lot of times... That, that comes in a very challenging way because when you're coming up against your current limitations and you then figure out what's standing in your way, we were talking about this last night, you know, people say love and light a lot and they think it's all sunshine and rainbows, but what they're talking about there is a dichotomy between yin and yang. So love being the yin, right? All love and amazingness, right? But light being the masculine, right? So when you're interacting with cannabis and these other plant medicines, it throws light into your shadow. And when a dark room gets lit for the first time in a long time, it can be alarming how many cobwebs are in there and how many things are in there, right? So for me, inhalation methods are really good for accessing that oracle. In, edible methods are too, but it's a little farther out with edibles. Like I actually go more into like a deep meditative state whereas with inhalation methods I'm more able to have that co-communication. Like see something be like, "Oh, I'm going to go write that down, ask cannabis, get an answer, come back to it." Like it's more interactive and more active. Edibles to me are a little more passive where I'm just like laying down, subtracting from the equation of myself and going out if that makes sense. Oh, yeah, it does. Yeah
0: so then and then so tobacco what kind of benefits do you find from and and we're talking about pure clean tobacco here people you'll be like oh you're pretty much smoking cigarettes like cigarettes have a bunch of additives right exactly
1: they i mean like a lot of times cigarettes actually don't even have real tobacco and if it is real tobacco it's grown with glyphosate and pesticides rodenticides herbicides fungicides but a lot of times like these blunt wraps that people are really big with right a lot of times they're not even tobacco they're like uh some type of paper sprayed with tobacco juice right so All suffice to say, the story we've been told about tobacco is completely false, right? Like tobacco is a sacred plant. It's been used for thousands of years in different ways. It wasn't used in the ways it is today, right? Where people are using it once again, very similar to cannabis, is something to numb out, to cope, etc. And I've been guilty of this too, right? Like this is how I can spot it so well is because I've gone through this. Siggies or two. Siggies um, way back in the day, like when I was sixteen and nineteen. And you know, it was funny. I didn't tell this part of the story, but it all ended um, where I woke up one day and started peeing blood, and I had no idea why. And it ended up being a benign system, my kidney that broke open. But after that, I went complete healthy. And so I've gotten into snus. That's how I originally got off of uh, cigarettes. And you know, I've gotten into nicotine gum for podcasting and things like that. But what was, what's the snus? Snooze is like these little packets of tobacco that you like put up in your lip, okay. and uh, and you don't need to spit them. You know, oh. so it's like the it's like the I think dipless or like spitless kind. Mm-hmm. Yeah.
0: So if you're mixing a little bit of pure tobacco and. Is the American Indian tobacco usually pretty pure or is it...
1: Yeah, like overall, I mean, like you'd have to do specific, not tests necessarily, but you'd have to go seek out how they're actually cultivating it because... A lot of times, like, even though it might be like American Indian or things like that, they might be cultivating in the same ways they've learned that are more conventional methods, right? So it's always better to go talk to them and kind of just figure out what the methods are behind it. The company I really like uh, when I do decide to interact with tobacco is Racine and Laramie in Old Town, San Diego. And we we're talking before we hit record, Paul Check turned me on to this company. So you know, they practice all organic farming uh, and they have beautiful tobacco. It's also a really fun place too, dude. Like it's it was built in like the 1880s or 1820s or something. You go in there and like the guys that are in there are all dressed in costume. Like they're literally in the 20s, uh, 1820s. And so it's really cool to go in there, get some high quality stuff. And for me, you know, like I'll be completely honest. Like everyone should be very aware that nicotine is extremely addictive, right? But again, at the end of the day, to the degree that it's addictive is a degree to which there's things that you're running from right so for me i would i don't want to look at myself as a victim like oh i just can't interact with nicotine because i get addicted to it well why do i get addicted to it well because it's giving me something that i don't feel i can give myself okay there's a breadcrumb trail to follow there right mm-hmm. but i feel a lot of people just victimize themselves oh i'm addicted or oh i can't do it because i get addicted and and again like everyone has their own choices like i'm not saying anyone should do anything right but it's important to understand that Even in things like addiction, you can learn a lot about yourself. I certainly have. It hasn't been easy. It's fucking stung a lot. But when I realized no one was going to come save the day for me and it was my mess to handle, then it became like, okay, how can this happen for me? What can I learn about it? And now I'm able to interact with tobacco and, and take it when I want it and then leave it when I don't want it. And when I do feel that addiction come up, It's a cue for me to go within and be like what am i not feeling i can provide to myself right like what fears do i have what shadows do i have you know because again everything has a lesson waiting within it if we choose to look at the world that way there's nothing objectively that says that but that's how i choose to live my life and very interesting is that you know where you put your attention energy flows right and so since i've started looking at life like that been learning lessons everywhere you know it's very interesting
0: i mean hell yeah and then even yeah for me i'm trying to think when i found paul check about 27 26 and then we mm. did his Mariah and i did his holistic lifestyle course and stuff together and uh i mean that just put me on a, a good track I and mean, yeah. you get all of his all of his teachings kind of dialed in you're going to be on a pretty good track when did you find paul check
1: yeah so this is actually a really wild story too about synchronicity we've had so many of them since we got here but Basically, I found check from Aubrey Marcus uh, when I was about 25. I was working at the dispensary, and I remember I watched an episode with Aubrey interviewing Paul, and a lot of it just went right over my head, right? And I was like, "Whoa, this guy's intense." And so about a year later, I've now gotten into listening to a ton of podcasts. I've read a lot of books, and I get this download one day at work. I'm sitting at the register, and I go, "Oh!" I should look up that episode with Paul and Aubrey. I bet I would understand a lot of it now. So I go home that night, all fired up to look up this older episode. And this is when Aubrey wasn't releasing episodes every single week. Like he was, you know, inconsistent with them. And so I decide, well, before I look that one up, let me just see if you release a new podcast today. New episode released that day with Paul Check. I'm like, whoa, right. So I watch the episode. It all lands for me. I get super fired up. I start looking up his classes. I get really fired up. I go into work the next day. It's a Friday. And we were the seventh dispensary open. So at this point, there wasn't dispensaries everywhere. So our lines were out the door around the building every day. So this is one of those days where I'm just like, next, next, next. Right. So this guy comes and we start talking and he's telling me about water and we're going down the rabbit hole and he's smiling, he's laughing. Right. And I'm like, dude, where'd you learn all this stuff? This is really cool. And he's like, dude, I just got back from California at the Czech Institute. You ever heard of it? And I was like, Paul Check, And he was like, yeah. I was like, dude, this is wild. So, that dude's now one of my best friends. His name's Eddie Madden. He was the first episode I ever did on the podcast. He's the man. Uh, and so, just so funny how this stuff happens. But that was one of the synchronicities that, like, this guy's gonna be a big teacher in my life. And so, I went out to HLC1, met him, gave him a little bit of my cannabis. Um, and then, a year later, after i had quit the dispensary, the pandemic was happening, I started my own business. Me, Eddie, and a bunch of the Boston crew go out to Zen in the Garden, one of his workshops and i give him a little bit you know cannabis like hey man i remember you and so we start hitting it off and he has me on the podcast and it's just been so cool i mean getting to know him his workshops are amazing for anyone out there like i'm in no way affiliated to make any money with this but his workshops are fucking cool like you literally just get to go hang at his house with a legend all day sometimes two days and just meet the coolest people his crowd is just amazing man such a cool guy
0: yeah, uh, we went we we went up to his house and had a podcast with him, Sugar and I and
1: our mm-hmm. girls, and it was just a it was a <laughs> cool experience. <laughs> Was like, that at the heaven house or the new house? The the heaven house. Gotcha. I never got to go to that one.
0: And that one, I was like, God, I just want to set up my house just like this guy's got it set up so nice. Do you, so do you drink some, uh, what kind of water do you drink?
1: Yeah. So normally what I'm drinking is I go to a spring near my house called uh, Simpson Spring and I use these five gallon uh, glass jugs, which are super not easy to work with. My girlfriend's always like, well, now you're getting the water for life because there's no way I'm going to try to lift that. They have no handles on them. But I find spring water to be the best, right? Like very similar to the way that I think that, you know, cannabis in its full spectrum nature rather than it or any of these things is the best. I think spring water charged by the rocks, the moonlight, etc. Um, Paul's really big on that too. He instructed me really heavily on that. And then what I do is I have biogeometry attachments that I put on the actual bottles. And then I write love and gratitude on all of them based on Masao Rimoto's work. And so that's how I interact with water. And there's been so many things I've been getting into. My buddy Chris and I out here have been talking a lot about these different individuals that specialize in water um, and you know we we're in San Diego so of course we met a lot of people that told us a lot about different things and I've been thinking about getting into fractalized water um, for my grow I was talking to a buddy who's looking into energy uh, how to create energy with water it's fascinating to you, but for me it's spring water all the time
0: yeah I mean I've, I've there's there is a spring near us but it's quite a f- far from our house so mm. I've just been doing the mountain valley spring water mm. They deliver it mm-hmm. in the glass five gallon jugs. That's awesome. So it's not too bad, but it's really fucking expensive. Yeah. <laughs> but I do just, I just like just drinking good water feels fucking good.
1: Oh yeah, dude. And like, you know, for me, the way I look at it is this, right? Like the way the modern world is, especially down here. Cause I know that you guys don't probably have as many Springs as we do up in the Northeast. That's the one thing we have going for us, right? Boston's winter is brutal, but we have a lot of spring water up there, you know?
0: So even in those Springs though, like how, like the pipes it
1: comes out of or mm-hmm. whatever it comes out of, how clean are those? Dude, honestly, I'm not sure offhand, but the ones I go to, because if you go on, if you go and find a spring, you can find like these like just pipes coming out of the ground. For me, I'm not going to say that I don't trust those, but I trust them less. Like the one I go to is Simpson Spring. It's like an actual business. They clean all their pipes. Like they're really big. They have the water test there, so you can see all the different micronutrients in them. So that's what I go through. Not to say that I think that going through the other way is necessarily quote-unquote bad but also we know from like the shit that just happened in east palestine like and all these different chemical runoffs that like i mean again i don't want to dive down conspiracy alley but if we look into the very just logical way there's shit getting into our water right and so like it's really important to make sure that we're getting our spring water from somewhere that at least tests it because very similar to how even food that's being grown organically might be next to a farm that's growing with glyphosate and the wind carries it over you know it's kind of like we're And a little bit fucking ourselves because it's getting into everything you know and and i don't know the answer to this you know i don't know how to fix all this but i know there's an issue for sure
0: yeah because that's in the kind of the midwest right yeah in ohio yeah and it's not like people drink the water and be like i've been drinking this water for three years it's not like (laughs) just like paul always says the diseases
1: don't start overnight yeah
0: yeah they compound that sucks for those people
1: i know i mean did you see the videos like it was crazy man like right after it happened they were trying to say, uh, whoever they are, like the environmental control, EPA, whatever. They were trying to say, like, oh, no, there was there was nothing that went on. Like, yeah, we burned this stuff, but it's totally okay, right? And news reporters were going to the rivers, right, and, like, tossing rocks into the waters. And it would just look like oil coming up. Like, you know that oil color, like that, like, slicky color? It would just, the whole river would just turn that color. And I was like, yikes. And, I mean, the wind stream, you know, goes directly over to where I'm at in Boston. So it's sketchy stuff and you know again like i don't want to instill fear in anyone because that's not my you know that's not my priority with any of this um but at the same time it does like we must be informed on it right because at least if we're informed we can make better decisions you know and that's my whole method with everything with cannabis water everything it's just like be informed so you can make better decisions
0: yeah especially i mean not only kids but even parents that are about to have kids and they're just drinking tap water all the time and doing all this thing who knows how bad that's gonna fuck your kid up
1: exactly and we know in tap water dude there's like i mean there's birth control in there there's like pharmaceuticals there's fluoride there's chlorine There's chloramine which is really nasty like i mean 10 percent of the world's cancers are caused by chlorine alone right so you figure all of that is in there fluoride calcifies the pineal gland kills your ability to be intuitive right like i think a lot of people think this stuff is woo woo and it's really not right Like, there's actually a lot of science to back this stuff up now and the, what it actually means and translates to is really important because if you want to have more connection to your gut feeling to your intuition all of these things it takes having a healthy lifestyle right like that's what allows you to be a more conscious and elevated human being and the reason you want to do that is because you have a much more fun life right like i think a lot of people out there when they think about health think about all this work they need to do oh i'm gonna cook food and i can't just go to the drive-thru whatever it's like yeah but you're gonna feel fucking awesome and like what would you rather like Again, I think most people, because I came from this 12 years ago, they just don't really know how much better they could feel. Like, because they've never been taught that they could feel good, you know? And so they're just living in ignorance, you know? And so it's not necessarily their fault, but it is their, it is their responsibility to figure something new out if their life isn't going the way they want it to.
0: Yeah. I mean, people who don't really, maybe aren't passionate about anything and they just have their nine to five job and then they come home and they're like, well, I don't give a fuck. Yeah. I just, I'm going to do the same thing. So I don't care if, I fuck <laughs> if I'm a slave feeling good or if I'm a slave feeling like shit. Maybe. Yeah. 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 So you guys are on a little, uh, little, uh, trip to hit, hit a bunch of podcasts.
1: Right? Yeah. Yep. So it was funny, man. You know, this trip was interesting. You know, I go on these podcasting tours every about three months, Austin, you know, Colorado, California, et cetera. And, you know, mostly they, they come together pretty quickly, right? This one, there was a lot up in the air. And I'd been going through a lot of just deep, dark shadow stuff, dude, a lot of stuff coming to the surface, a lot of like, you know, limiting stories, things just coming into focus, you know, and I'm in a, I'm in a Kabbalah group right now at the Modern Mystery School. And so a lot has been coming up specifically with this certain Sephiroth called Geburah, right? A lot of like, you know, this inability to be assertive enough and things like that, right? So a lot of that coming up. And so when I went on this trip, I was planning everything out and there was an underlying feeling of like, dude, just go out and like whatever you end up hitting, whatever you end up doing, that was perfect, you know. So I go out here. And one of the podcasts I was going to go on, the guy ended up having an allergic reaction. We couldn't podcast. I was like, dude, feel better, man. The other one, we ended up uh, saying it's going to be the next time. So I got this time here to just go see all my friends, be in sunny San Diego. Dude, that place brings me to fucking life every time I'm there, dude. I literally have this whole story about cock blocking myself. I really feel like I'm meant to be in California, but I have family and everything in Boston, all these stories and logical reasons why I'm not. So every time I go there, I get this crazy amount of insight. And my friend Mary blew me and my buddy chris's worlds up with like just i mean she's an extremely gifted channeler and just like i mean it all clicked in last night when chris and i did this shadow work thing and uh, shadow work episode and so it's just been this beautiful week of just like shedding layers and coming into this like beautiful feeling getting some sunshine dude has been amazing out here i can wear a fucking tank top right this is crazy like my goal is complete you know so it's been really interesting man for sure <laughs> yeah
0: so do you do you do you do uh espresso or coffee
1: yeah so uh it's funny you ask so i had been off of coffee for about eight years when i met rachel my my partner and then she told me the wonder, showed me the wonder of espresso, and I was like, "Fuck, this is really good." Because I grew up like Dunkin' you know, Dunkin Donuts, things like that.
0: So she kind of taught you about the difference of quality stuff compared to not
1: exactly. And just like you know, lattes and like the frothiness of them and everything. And so it became our ritual for the last, and we've been together five years now to go like once a week, and I'd get an espresso, right? And it was so good. But I also knew my patterns with caffeine way in the ba- past, and honestly, like caffeine and I. It's almost like I have so much energy all, all the time that caffeine sometimes can just like bring me a little bit farther up and then crash me really low. So it was hard to get the the balance of it. So I've been drinking cacao every every day for like three or four years. And I loved it. But it was also like really expensive. It's like a lot of fat content, really heavy. The other thing was I got an HTMA test done recently, hair test, mineral analysis. And I had a lot of lead. And dark chocolate uh, has a lot of lead. You know, a lot of the different sources out there. So I decided, I was like, you know what? Because Rachel and I just got this new place together. I bought an espresso machine for her. I was like, let me just try going back on caffeine, you know, an espresso every day and see what happens. been fucking loving it, dude. It's amazing. And so out here, I've been getting one every day. Um, at home, we have this company, Purity Coffee. I'm not affiliated with them, but I found out about them through a guy who is. Um, and I just like their I like their whole ethos. I've been getting their dark roast. It's fucking killer, man. But I make it myself at home. Of course, when I was traveling, I got some that, you know, I tried to make sure it was the cleanest possible. Um, but I, I really think it has great utility. But... I found that there's an extreme sweet spot for me. I can have two shots of espresso, like a double shot. If I have any more than that and almost every time there's that voice that goes, have another one. Right. But the more I've gotten used to, it's the same voice that tells me to smoke cannabis every day. It's the same voice that tells me to smoke tobacco. Like I know that voice. And so I thank it for telling me like, okay, there's something I need to look within about, you know, my own fears around what productivity looks like, how hard I should be working all of these kind of things. So I've gotten back into it recently and I've been loving it. And I'm also very aware of the teeter totter that it feels like it's on in my life for sure.
0: Yeah. Uh, once you try a a actual good espresso and a good Mm. quality coffee it's kind of a game changer but uh i've been having a way better time i've just been listening to like huberman and stuff Mm. and waiting 90 minutes before i do my espresso so i woke up and woke up this morning went on the treadmill did some lighter like uh sprints and then walks for 20 minutes and then went sat in front of my red light stretched a little bit and then had a 30 grams of protein first and then I start, and then I had my espresso, and it seems like every, every day I do that, I have just such fucking good energy throughout the whole day instead of just like a crash. Randomly. Yeah,
1: hundred percent. I totally agree with that. Like what I do is I wake up. I do breath work for about 15-20 minutes, uh, different styles depending on how, just how I feel that day. Then I go into my mystery school rituals, which are like a collection of manifestation rituals and protection prayers, things like that. Then I go into a 25-minute meditation, and then I get up, I take all my supplements and everything, and then right about there is about a 90-minute mark. Uh, and then I start stretching as I'm making my espresso, and then I have it. And you know, it was funny, I had been doing that with cacao and everything for years, just like fasting a little bit, making sure I had like a good foundation set for the day before I started dosing myself with stuff stuff. stuff and then through huberman i found out like oh yeah you want to have your first cortisol spike of the day before you interact with coffee because then you get more bang for your buck and so i didn't even link that but that might be why coffee is working so much better than it has in the past because back in the day i would wake up i mean this is when i was like 18 wake up uh you know throw some snooze in go to dunkin donuts and just wreck myself like you know 30 minutes after getting up i'm like yikes i need to go take a nap (laughs) you
0: know i I think a lot of people are hooked on that like wake up and there's like just they think that little sugar rush and shitty espresso is just gonna pull them out of it maybe it does for a couple hours but a shitty crash later not worth it
1: yeah I mean I've actually heard that caffeine doesn't actually make you energize it just turns off the receptors to tell you you're tired you know and so for me what I've what I've kind of thought about that too is like You just got up, like why shouldn't you feel a little tired, right? Like, but I think for you know, I'll make it personal to myself. Maybe some people can relate. We're so conditioned to be productive, productive. We need, we need to get going. We need to like you know, fast, fast, fast. That I think that's where a lot of people like you know get caught in the thirst trap. Like they get up, they fall into this programming pattern. They probably never question in their life without realizing like, do I need to be this fast or? could I go to bed earlier, wake up a little earlier, have more time to be with myself so I don't need to rush, right? Like things like that, I think are what a lot of people just don't think about because they've never really even thought about thinking about it. I'm sure everyone listens to your podcast does and things like that. But, you know, we talk about the mainstream world, like it's interesting, you know, like, I prioritize sleep and all these things. And if I eat, like, one shitty meal, like if I'm traveling, whatever, I can feel it. And it makes me think, like, holy shit, what are most people feeling like? Because it's been so long for me. I can't remember what it was really like when I was 18, like, you know, eating terrible and things like that. Plus, I was 18, so at that point, you have a little more I <laughs> think, yeah. leeway with that kind of stuff. But it's just so interesting. I think often, like, you know, what modern day everyday people are probably feeling like with just like how much mycotoxins toxins they're interacting with but like you know their shitty coffee shitty food gluten sugar i mean it's just it's mental in
0: and then you're around a whole group of people wherever you work or whatever that are doing the same thing so it's not really anything it's just normal and then exactly the, the people that are actually care about those things are the weird people
1: yeah, my buddy Jason Picard, who's a really good friend of checks, he talks about that. He was a Wall Street um, uh, stock guy, for lack of a better term, and he was very high up. And so he basically made a lot of money, but then he was like, obese and just like really unhealthy and so he started he found a check trainer just randomly he didn't even know who check was but he found this trainer lost like 200 pounds and when he was doing that he like had a treadmill delivered to his office he started doing all these health things and he was like everyone in the office was like whoa what is all this stuff and he got so many people there to start like getting into it you know because they I, i think a lot of people like you know i was talking a little bit about this last night i think when it comes to exercise health even talking about cannabis and the way i talk about it if people are like me, they hear all these things and they go, oh, rules, right? Like, oh, more rules. I want to be free, right? But in a paradoxical way, it's actually the structure and rules that allow you to be free, right? Like, because... When you know that you're not like addicted to things and dependent on things and you understand how to eat well for your body and you prioritize sleep, like, yeah, they might seem like rules at first, but once you realize the payoff, it's like you put in a dollar that might be like, that's my last dollar, but if you know you're gonna hit 10 grand every time, you're gonna throw that dollar in without even thinking about it, right? And so I think that's what I always wanna mention to people is like, listen guys, it might seem like a lot of like structure and rules and things, but the payoff is fucking awesome. If not, why would I do it, right? Like, mm-hmm. I don't think anyone would be a massacre enough to eat healthy and do all these things if it didn't do so much good for you you know yeah, i mean yeah that's a
0: freaking you put it a good way mm. but real good way uh real quick here um the ufc rankings changed after this last weekend's fight uh marab took the number one spot and now sugar's number two in the world and i mean that makes sense i mean marab he fucked up peter pretty bad so That <laughs> not, just not pretty bad he beat him five rounds yeah that just happened this weekend so that's excellent fight. Do you, mm. uh, do you watch UFC at all, or once in a while? Right.
1: I do. So, so I normally do it every time Sugar's fighting. Back in October, we watched his fight at my buddy Mark's lake house. Mark um, was a professional kickboxer moved to Thailand. His whole story is blowing out his knee and you know getting into that. So he gives us lessons and everything. And whenever we're at his house, we always buy the fights. And so we love Sugar's fight against Peter. It was amazing. Yeah. Um, I don't follow it like religiously, but it's the only sport. Like I'm from Boston, dude. Right? Like people look at me like I'm cross-eyed when I tell them I don't watch football or soccer or anything mm-hmm. I don't watch any sports and so UFC is the only thing I've ever gotten into and it's so funny because like for people to know me like I'm not a violent person but of course I like the most violent sport I'm like I don't understand you know <laughs> but but I just always find it fun you know like I understand like to play at that level how precise you need to be and for me I like gangsters. Like I like people that are like that fine tuned. And like, mm-hmm. I can always tell from from Sean's work, like just how committed and disciplined he is, but also how much yeah. fun he has. And I love that stuff, man, it's so cool.
0: Yeah, I mean, it does t- definitely take kind of a crazy person, <laughs> especially at that level. I mean, yeah. that, is, that for that last fight, it's like, okay, you're gonna cut 25 pounds and we're gonna fly 24 hours to a country we've never been in and mm. we're gonna fight the number one guy in the world. Mm and for him to focus in and do everything he need to do and then cut that 25 pounds you don't understand how weak you are until you cut 20 pounds in a couple Mm. in four or five weeks you you get down to those last two three pounds and you're like holy fuck, this is the closest I've ever felt to death yeah close to death there's nothing in me um and then to rehydrate and then have the performance he did—it takes a fucking special person for that.
1: Yeah, I credit UFC fighters. Like, I think they are literally the strongest people in the world when it comes to like just what they mentally put themselves through, and also physically and all the things. But I think the mental part, and I'm, you know, I'm sure you correct me if I'm wrong, is probably one of the hardest parts. Like, like that you said, like last two or three pounds—it's almost like. How with a lot of things like the fur, the last bit is the hardest, right? But I can only imagine when you're starving and you feel like you're dying and your whole body is telling you like, dude, we need to eat. Like you're going against a very visceral response of your body to try to keep you alive. It's interesting.
0: Yeah. And some people that don't get to see the weight cuts, it's like 24 hours, maybe sometimes a little more now, 30, 36 hours, but that person can barely walk. They have to be helped to get up and your heart rate starts beating like 130, 40, 140 beats per minute when you just walk a couple steps because you're so fucking depleted and to have a strong mind and say I know I'm going to be okay in 36 hours I'm going to feel better hopefully but I got to fight this guy tomorrow and he's training to kill me too so the fighting is such a fucking mental battle I would literally say it's probably 80 percent, if not more the battle with yourself and fighting so
1: yeah it's it's crazy, man. I have this guy that I train with, Slippery Pete Barrett. Uh, he fought in the UFC for a little while too. And just watching what he goes through, I'm like, bro, you're fucking insane. Like, and that's like, you know, like I do some crazy shit with my body. Like I'll do combo and these things that are really brutal, and I'll do all this different stuff. But like, I mean, it just he what he does makes what I do look like child's play. And I can only imagine at Sean's level and you guys' yeah. level what you guys are doing. It's unreal
0: yeah someone like you would really enjoy uh gi jujitsu i think mm. jujitsu and just try it out i mean even if you want to try there's a class at noon here you guys are welcome to try hell yeah um or yeah whenever you want i think you'd like it but oh yeah i gotta go see this house Eleven forty-five. i feel like we could talk for hours dude 100 percent. thanks so much for coming and then i'm gonna try to take a little bit of the video of our um our little breathing ceremony we're gonna do uh thanks so much brother
1: of course absolutely dude game recognized game
0: hell yeah <laughs> okay guys uh like subscribe Hope you enjoy. Love you. Bye-bye. Boom.